Here's another inspiring message from Northside Community Church, Sydney. We're going to talk about service, serving other people for the next three weeks. Don't sound so excited. Look at, that, look at the enthusiastic response. Oh, oh, great service. Yeah. What's the, what's the first thing that's starting to go through your mind? Uh, rosters, co- coffees, <laughs> pamphlets, phone calls. Uh, you, look, you, you could probably be forgiven. You're a bit like me. When I was chatting to my grandmother once, I was really upset because I hadn't had the mark that I wanted in an art project that she'd helped me on and I was terribly distraught and, and she said, Sam, well, look, seriously, like it's not that much of a bigger deal. Like when, when I was a young woman, I was, I was down in Melbourne during the war and I peeled potatoes night after night after night until my hands were almost raw in the cold and all we did was have a blanket to warm us up when I was in the WAF. And... Uh, and I said, uh, Grandma, why would you do something like that? And she said, well, I, I did it for the empire. <laughs> and as, as, a, as, a tw- as a 12-year-old, I thought, um, what, you knew Darth Vader? <laughs> I did it for... Now, service. How, how do you unlock, how do you unlock a... A dynamic like that in which you could do something like that so consistently and something so tedious. And I believe it's wrapped up in this. She did it for the empire. She did it for, she saw the bigger picture. She was part of a bigger picture. And one of the, one of the amazing things, when you go through and read the stories of early Christians and how Christianity took off, you see these amazing stories of the way of ordinary people like you and I uh, got thrust out into the countryside and they got pushed out of Jerusalem and... Uh, there weren't pastors around anymore because they'd all been scattered through the persecution. And Acts uh, chapter 8 verse 4 says that the brothers and sisters went uh, preaching and teaching the gospel wherever they went. The brothers and the sisters, not the ministers. And so here you have a situation where the church explodes because every person is in ministry. Every person is, is in service. In other words, like there was, there was no unemployed Christians. <laughs> and so I thought for us this year, what, what, if, what if we were a church where we didn't just come to receive? And that, as a side note, is okay, by the way. If you're hurting, if you need healing, if you need restoration, this is a place of safety. It doesn't mean that you need to come straight into, into serving coffee or leading a connect group straight away. But what if we were a church where we came not just to receive, but to serve others. But to serve others. What if every person was engaged in ministry? Uh, it's like we in the team, we've got this, this mandate this year to say we're, we're going to take the unemployment rate at Northside down to zero. That by the end of 2016, every person is engaged in some form of ministry. What would that look like as a church? Could we do that? Could you do that? You only will when you understand the dynamic of the bigger picture. What's the, what's the bigger picture of church? And it's in the title of this series, Mosaic, that we'll be talking about the next couple of weeks. I think a mosaic is, is the best picture for what the church should be. It's the thing that will give you the dynamic for that ser- service, that aspect of service. Because we're going to see the way that when you understand the bigger picture, that helps you to understand your peace in the bigger picture. And when you understand your peace in the bigger picture, then suddenly, like grandma, you get a big life. That's the promise. If you get this after three weeks, you'll get a big life because you're serving others. 
you want a big life? How do you get a big life? How do you see the bigger picture? It's like this. Here's what I was thinking, how the church is like a, a mosaic. Uh, mosaics only work when the tiles are in proximity to one another. Uh, I've... I've got this uh, little thing here. This is a this is a piece of this is a piece of tile from uh, from Kersey, which is a, a church in Kersey, which is on the other side of the Sea of Galilee. It was a special uh, old church that was uh, built uh, to mark the place where Jesus cast all the demons into the pigs, and they ran down into the water. You know that story. So I was standing in the and I, I picked that piece of tile up from the mosaic, which is now trashed on the floor. So I hope I haven't broken any laws of in you know in antiquities over there in. In, the, in Jerusalem, but uh, but basically, uh, if, if I've got this, if I've got this piece now, I, I suddenly started to realise that that we've got a bit of a problem here when the piece is no longer where it's supposed to be. On one hand, the picture now can never be complete. That mosaic is ruined <laughs> because it's missing a tile. And more interestingly, at the individual level, the tile is now completely insignificant. It's just, it's just a, a, a piece of white ceramic stuff. It's, it's just a rock. And so can, can you see the challenge that we have here is that when you are taken out of the, the bigger picture, not only is the bigger picture not complete, but there's not significance. Now, I'm going to come to that in a sec. How, look, does it mean it's worthless? No, of course not. That is the most precious thing to that mosaic on the world at the moment. If only that could get back to the mosaic, then it would be right. So we must look at the difference between value and significance. But what's the, what's the bigger picture here? Let me reframe the story in the Garden of Eden. The bigger picture is that God created humanity to be a mosaic. You know what a mosaic is, right? A, a picture made up of radically different, jagged, individual, funny, messed up looking tiles that somehow come together to paint a, a bigger, beautiful picture. That's how God meant things to be in the garden with God and Adam and Eve, man, woman, differences, people that are different, living in harmony, living according to a bigger picture of how human life is meant to be lived. And so when sin enters the world, the big Bible story, sin's not just bad deeds, what happens? Adam and Eve are cast out of the garden. In other words, the tile is taken out of the mosaic. And so we've got a problem now because humanity doesn't look how God intended it to look, this beautiful web of intricate individual relationships. And so coming to that now, when it talks about people being lost, people, when they're lost, are not worthless. They're incredibly valuable to God, but they've lost their fundamental sense of significance. Now, that could all sound high and lofty, Sam. Um, but I'll show you how it plays itself out. I, I know I'm still on this spin class bent at the moment after our active wear series, but the, the, it got me again yesterday. The spin instructor, we're, we're in like phase five of seven. It's the toughest part of the class. And she, she's yelling out from the front of the class, just think you are spinning with thousands of other people doing RPM around the world today. <laughs> and I, I'm... Try not to laugh in, in terms of the, the heaving breath. I'm thinking, how in the world is, why is that supposed to be significant? Why, why is that supposed to inspire me to push even harder with what I'm doing? And I think it's this. We, we desire to be part of something bigger. That we, desire, we, we know that we are dislocated. We've been pulled out of a, a bigger picture sense. What is that bigger picture sense? Community. 
community. The mosaic is community. And so you only have that significance when you are in community. You only have that significance when the object is proximate, is near to the context for which it was purposed. That's a great biblical story. If you are lost and if you're feeling that deep yearning, it's because you're not proximate to the context for which you were meant. I'll put it this way. If, if you use a, a, a Taj Hill watch as a doorstop, is it valuable? Of course it is. Is it significant? Of course not. <laughs> it's being used as a doorstop. You're not supposed to wear it on your wrist. And so what is that context for a human? It's a community, a bigger picture, something other than yourself, something other than your own needs, something other than your own desires, something beyond you. And that is why that when God, when God ever calls you to follow him, if follow him, he only ever calls you into community. He says here in verse 4, says Peter, as, as you come to him, so it means as, as you believe in Jesus, the living stone, rejected by men but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So think of, think of the imagery there for a second. You're, you, are a, you are living stones being built into a spiritual house. This is a radical departure from every other religion in the world that says you've got to build a physical temple to get with God. And now he's saying you are living stones. You yourselves are being built into one another in order to create the temple. So in other words, what he's saying there is that, that, that for Christians, it's only when we gather and meet like this, is Sunday worship, been in a connect group or in community with one another, that that's when God really inhabits the place. I mean, you've, you've, you've got to come in here for an excursion midweek. <laughs> come and hang out with us and sit, sit in the auditorium at 10 o'clock on a Tuesday. Um, it's, a, it's a daunting place. It doesn't feel like church because you guys aren't here. <laughs> and so you, you, you only have that significance in God when, when he inhabits us as these living stones. So look at, look at the, image, the imagery there, living stones. Each stone, each stone has got one above it and one below it. The stone above it, the stone above it is totally dependent on the stone below it. And the stone in the middle is totally dependent on the one beneath that. And here's the imagery that Peter's trying to get at. In fact, it's the way that you can tell if you are proximate to God's community. And that is that if, if you didn't turn up, if you didn't participate in this thing, would there actually be an element of collapse in our church community? That if, if, you, weren't, if, if, you, if you weren't there for someone, if, if you decided one day that you weren't going to serve another person, that there would be someone else at Northside who wasn't ministered to, who wasn't loved. There'd be an element of, of, of a crumbling of our walls. That's a drastic image. So when you see yourself as a living stone, you don't, you don't, just, you don't just turn up to church. You're building up the church. And that is, that's radically different from how most people view the church, right? Some people can view church as a spiritual supermarket. We, we, some people come in and they come down the aisles and it's, I think I like a, bit, a little bit of this and a little bit of that and I'll take a little bit of this and I'll do that. If I, I, if I gotta, it's what I call consumer church. Consumer, consumer church is when the person comes in and, and, and says, oh, I, yeah, I hope the coffee's going to be okay. I, I, hope, I hope the music's going to be like the style that I like. I, I, I hope that there are going to be people just like me. And whereas Living Stone 
church, uh, the building up church, that person that's coming into that says, they don't say, I hope, hope the coffee's going to be. They, they come in and say, I hope Carol's going to be okay. I, I, don't, I, I don't care about the music, but I'm looking for the opportunity to love someone and meet someone and, and offer a word of encouragement. Can you see the difference? That's, that's building church. That's not turning up to church. See the bigger picture, how rad- radically different this is from what the average person can think church is about. Turn up, pray, sing. No, it's so much bigger than that. So mosaics, mosaics only work when the tiles are proximate to the context for which they were designed. You were built for community. Second thing is, mosaics, what makes them so mysterious, so pretty? There's, there's a unity in the diversity, isn't there? The, these, have you seen that? No, no tile is the same. Every tile is different colour, different shape. Some are pretty, some are ugly. <laughs> some, some are big, some are small. Now, Peter reflects this principle of the way that in a mosaic, all of these things, though, somehow mysteriously come together. Verse 9, he says, But you're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Now, the Greek there is a hagoi ethne. Starts to make a bit more sense, like a, a holy ethnic. In other words, what he's saying is that when the dynamic of you coming into this community is so powerful that it turns you into literally a different race. And so when Peter says you're a Haggai ethne, he's saying so, so powerful is this dynamic of being brought into this community that when you're a part of it, you identify more with diff- vastly different people in this community than you do with people you've done all of your life with. And your mum, your dad, your family members, your friends. Another way to put it is you're saying, look, church is, church is not a club, it's a whole new culture. You see, what's the difference between a club and a culture? You go to a tennis club, you have a hundred people all come together and they've got a common interest in tennis, they hit a few balls, they go home. <laughs> That's it. That's the only way that they ever intersect. Where a culture, a culture is a comprehensive way of doing everything. People in your tennis club don't tell you how to deal with your money, <laughs> do they? People in your tennis club don't tell you how to watch your words. People in your tennis club don't show you the ways in which you can uh, live life to its fullest. People in the tennis club don't make an opinion on your profession and how you can be using that to serve God. See the difference between a club and a culture? A a culture is a whole new way of doing things. And what that means, you've heard me say this, it means when you come into God's community, you are a Christian first and an Aussie second. You are a Christian first and Asian second. You are Christian first and an artist second. You are Christian first and accountant second. You are a Christian first heterosexual second. Christian first homosexual second. And can you see how absolutely radical this is? That if we live as Haggai ethne, so powerful is this dynamic of becoming a mosaic. That all these different races and professions and sexualities come into the one place and they're unified. All of, all of what you used to identify yourself with in the world. I'm an accountant. I was an accountant, by the way. Once was lost, now I'm found. I'm a Christian first, was an accountant second. See, it's, it's a whole new way of looking at life and certainly this community. Now, is that how my, most churches are? Some, are, some I think, some, some get very, they, get very, they don't look very mosaic-like. 
They look like you've just bought the, you've bought the one pack of tiles from Bunnings and it's just all the same thing, isn't it? Oh, we're, we're, all, we're, all the, we're the conservative type. <laughs> uh, or, or we're the type that all believes in this one thing. Or you know, certain churches, everyone wears skinny jeans and has funky hair. <laughs> Some churches are all full of only people over the age of 70. Some churches are full with only people under the age of 35. And yet look at what we've got here. Man, I love walking into this place. I love, I love, I love seeing the way that a 65-year-old is going to grab me and can you just tell me the name of that young, young guy? I want to get alongside him and just encourage him in his walk. I love the fact that it was years ago that we were praying in the office with Graham Agnew and we said, Lord, you've got to bust open the ethnic diversity in this place. And suddenly we see people coming from all different walks of life. When, we all, when, when I look out here right now, I, 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 see, I see that mosaic. Now, does that happen by accident? No. I, 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 don't, I don't think... It saddens me. I don't think the average church looks like that because it doesn't happen by accident. How do you become a mosaic like that? The only way that you become like that is if you have a people committed to opening their lives up to others who are totally different from who you are. I think that's one of the great things that we have in this place is that we're a church that just, we're just real. We're just, wherever you come from, whoever you are, where you are, you, you can be a part of the place here and we're open to that. And so you want to know too how you've been part of a mosaic <laughs> is that you're in the middle of connection group and someone's praying or someone's given, giving a different, radically different theological opinion than, than you have and you don't shoot them down because you're chuckling in your head and you're saying this to yourself. You know what? If it weren't for Jesus Christ, there is no way that you and I would be hanging out together tonight. <laughs> have you ever had that moment in church? I have them every week and I thank God for that. If, if it weren't for Jesus, there is no way that you and I would be hanging out because we are so radically different. And yet it comes because we're willing to open ourselves up to people who are different from each other. So mosaics not only have tiles that are becoming proximate to one another. So in other words, it's a commitment to community. The second thing is that because of that commitment to community, there's also a commitment to be opening yourself up to people who are radically different from you. That's how you become a mosaic. The, the, the third thing about a mosaic is this. Is there's a compelling attractiveness in that unity. Have you ever seen in a mosaic when you step back from the picture and all the tiles are different and all the tiles are together and you marvel at how somehow there's a picture in the browns and the blues and everything comes together just at the right time and it creates a picture. The by itself, the individual tile wouldn't have been a picture, but in this diversity, it, it paint something that is beyond the picture. And isn't that what the church is meant to be? John 17, Jesus says, Father, I, I pray that they might be one, that they might be unified so, so, that, so that the world, people watching them, might know that I am from you and that you had sent me. So in other words, what, what's, Jesus, what's Jesus getting at? What's he saying when I pray that they might be one? What he's, what he's saying here is that, he was talking about mosaics, of course. He was saying that an individual mosaic tile might be attractive, but it doesn't paint the bigger picture. And so as a result, it's attractive, but it doesn't make you stop. It doesn't make you look at it. It doesn't make you wonder in what it is, because it's just an individual tile. But 
the same thing works for our lives. You see, a, a holy, a different, a distinct, a godly individual Christian, at best, they, they're going to be interesting. At worst, that they could actually turn you off Christianity because you, you say, oh, I could never be like them. But what if, what if it was a holy and a different and a loving and distinct community of radically different people serving one another in love? People from all different races, backgrounds, ethnicities, walks of life. What if all of them were coming together? Like if, if, if people looked in and saw that in us as a church, your family, your friends, your co-workers, if they looked in and saw a church like that, do you reckon that they would be at least interested? And that's what Jesus was getting at because people are going to look at that and say, where, where the heck does that happen in the world? And so there's a compelling attractiveness because we're unified in that diversity. And that's what the final uh, part of this passage said, where it says, live such good lives amongst the pagans, the everyday people, that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day that he visits us. Here's what it's not saying. It's not saying, go out this week and be a goody two-shoes. <laughs> that's going to be repulsive. People, people are going to get over that. What, what it really was saying, every time, often in the, the Bible, when it talks about these good deeds, it talks about doing it in what? The context of community. When you do this collectively, everyday people will look in and see a church that's so different in their love and their actions that they're saying, I want to be a part of this. And haven't we already begun to see that in some of our friends that have joined us, some that have even become Christian last year? We see this dynamic alive and well. You're not to be a goody two-shoes, but you're supposed to live such, we, you and I, such distinct lives together that people look at it and go, I didn't think church was like that. So there is, there's a compelling attraction in the unity so we haven't even talked about service yet. We haven't, we haven't talked about rosters. We should get to that, right? Uh, we're, we're, it's, it's okay. We're not going to do it today. <laughs> I'm going to wrap up for you. Here's, here's why. I'm a big picture sort of dude. I, I, don't, I don't like doing the what and the how unless I understand the why. So all, all I want to ask you this morning is, are you seeing the bigger picture? Are you seeing the bigger picture of this mosaic that we call Northside Community Church? It's already happening amongst us. And look, I've got to confess to you, one of the things that I, I have to repent the most of in this place each week, and that is this. I've got to repent of just turning up. It's so easy as a minister to come and do this thing, to be with you guys on a Sunday morning and just treat it like my job. It's not a job. I'm a living stone. I'm, I'm, I'm proximate to you guys. I'm, we, we, are, we are co-joined. We are part of a process in which you and I right now are the visible manifestation of an eternal hope. We're not, we are not just turning up. And man, there, there are times in which, yeah, I, like I did this morning, have to get behind the, the wheel of the car or maybe you've done the same thing because the kids were screaming as you're trying to get out the house or the alarm quite didn't quite go off the way you wanted or, or the body's aching a little bit more this morning because of all the human weather, uh, the humid weather. Maybe, just maybe, yeah, we forgot the bigger picture for a moment, church. 
We are a mosaic that when people look in, hopefully, hopefully, as they see young and old, artists and accountants and people from all walks of life doing this, they don't see us, they see Jesus Christ. And so there's no such thing as turning up to church, there is building up to church. And so look, what it means for you practically this morning, if you're listening into this, if you're not a follower of Jesus, I mean, you could go to spin class. Uh, it's, it's slightly inspiring because it, it will tickle the thing that I, I believe that you're yearning for. You, you, you want this, you sense this. You, you, see, you see it in the everyday world. There's a whole other bunch of people of faith. They're called the believers, right? They're, they're the Justin Bieber fans. Well, what are they doing? They, they just want to be part of something bigger. Lady Gaga's Little Monsters. I, the list could go on. Swiftites. I don't know what they call Taylor Swiftites, but if someone could let me know, it would be good to have an identity other than as a Christian. Uh, all, all I'm saying is you yearn for this. You yearn for this. Most importantly, do you want a big life? Do you want a life of significance? Maybe you haven't tapped into that significant because you're not proximate for the thing for which you were purposed. You are valuable. You are precious. You are God's treasured possession, but... If you are away from him and you don't have faith in Jesus Christ, then you're exactly the same as a mosaic tile in crow's nest that should be in Kersey on the Sea of Galilee. And the message is this morning that he's, he's come to plug you back into that, to locate you into that. And I speak to my Christian brothers and sisters this morning. Yeah, have we got the bigger picture? Are we getting the why before we even begin to talk about the what? Do we sense it? Have we, have we just... Just turned up or have you come here to build up? Let's pray. Well, thanks for tuning in. If you'd like to find out more about Northside, visit northsidechurch.org.au.